0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Food, Wine, and Whiskey in Your Own Backyard. I am Rob, your host, and back on the show today, Tyler Martin. How you doing, Tyler? Good. Appreciate it. Uh, another conversation about coffee. I've, yeah. I've been looking forward to one of these. Uh, I got, you know, I guess it was about a year ago, coming up on a year, that we did our first episode on coffee. And at that time, I was that, you know, make a little pot of coffee in the morning and... Uh, round coffee from the grocery store and two scoops and whatever. And uh, that was my coffee. And I was pretty happy until you came along I and ruined it. Sh- no, 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 I don't <laughs> say ruined. I say absolutely shed some light on, on how I was screwing up my coffee routine in the mornings. And uh, I thought that was great. It was a fun episode and it's been successful. If, if you haven't heard that episode and you're interested in how to make a great cup of coffee at home, just kind of the basics of what you need and, and, and kind of what that process is. Um, go back and listen to that episode. It's episode 58 in in our uh, portfolio of episodes, and it's a fun listen, and it, it really is education. You did a great job in walking me through that. The cupping we did was a lot of fun. Really kind of shed some light on what I kind of like in coffee. But I would also say that's probably changed a little bit in the last year. I'm, I'm more leaning towards those lighter roasts now, I think.
1: I think that's, that's part of the fun of, of getting into any hobby is the journey. It's not... You know, I think you're like me. It's no fun to get into a hobby and just immediately go, yep, this is the the best part of this hobby. This is, you know, getting to anything and immediately yeah. get to the finish line. It's more fun to just kind of live through it. And, I mean, in the last year, there's my taste of change with things, and I use, you know, different methods and different brewers than I think we're going to talk about. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fluid thing, and that's what's fun.
0: Yeah, and I thought this episode, you know, call it, you know, us getting uh... – we call that one Coffee Basics or Coffee 101. This might be the 301 version or, you know, yeah. geeking out a little bit, something like that, uh, because we'll get a little bit more into the 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 kind of details of how to make a good cup or what we think makes a good cup and, and what the, what those mean a little bit more when we talk about, you know, just pour over. Pour over can be a couple different types of, of brewers that you might use to make yeah. a pour over.
1: Yeah, and it's a method that everyone is familiar with um, before we hit record, we were talking through, and you know the coffee pot that everybody has that you see everywhere, that's just a pour over. So everyone's familiar with the method. It's just a filter with coffee in it, water goes on top, and it drips through. It's the most basic way to make, well, second most basic way to make coffee, Um, and it's something that everyone is familiar with. So I think that's part of, I think, what you and I want to talk about on this one is just demystifying coffee a little bit, talk through some, you know, myths, misconceptions, misunderstandings, and just – kind of simplify things a little bit hopefully
0: yeah and i I would say just talking on your drip coffee uh that being a pour over type coffee the difference would be that the control that you have right and what you're doing and so we'll talk about that a little bit later but that's the only difference is you know you have the control when you're when you're brewing with a a v60 or chemex and we might talk a little bit more about what those are a, a, a clever um versus just a drip that you push the button and it just goes
1: yep yeah you really like the clever don't you I like that a lot. I don't have one. No? They're very intriguing. Okay, before you leave, I'll I'll give you one.
0: You have to give me one. Yeah, I'll give you one. I just want want to see how they work. I know how they work. If you take one home, you can figure it out. I'll go play with one. All right, fine. (laughs) You got me. So, it's fun. I like it because it's – well, anyway, we'll talk about that when we get into the brewers and stuff. But, uh, you know, you and I were talking about the myths and the misconceptions. I thought it would be fun to just hit on a couple of those because I think one that stands out, you brought it up, was – uh, coffee can be a little bit intimidating. Can I make a good, you know, how hard is it to make a cup of coffee at home? Yeah, I think that's when I talk to people and, you know, tell them I like coffee
1: and encourage them to, you know, branch out from the pre-ground or picking it up from Starbucks. Uh, what a lot of people say is, ah, it's just too much to learn. I don't have time for another hobby. It's too fussy. It can be. Without a doubt, you can go down the rabbit hole as far as you want to, but I think in 30 minutes, somebody could learn everything they need to know to make a good cup of coffee at home without it having to be, you know, is not a physics class. It's not something super complicated. Um, it doesn't have to be. So I completely agree. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions with coffee is that there's this massive learning curve that you have to go through. Um, and that may be true with something like brewing with an espresso machine, but um, yeah, I think overs.
0: Uh, that's what we should say. We're focusing on coffee today, not yep. the espresso and the machines, because you're right. That's a whole different category. That is a never-ending search for perfection. perfection yeah. Uh, but to your point about being harder or more difficult or, you know, more involved, I disagree. You know, after doing this, going on a year now, it, my coffee routine in the morning, the workflow to make a cup of coffee, is way easier with a pour over and I've become partial to the V60 recently has been my, my brewing method, but it's, it's a quick brewer on top of the cup I'm going to drink out of grinding some coffee, doing my pour over done. The cleanup is taking the filter in the trash, quick rinse back on the shelf. I am not putting coffee into a coffee pot where I have to wash a coffee and all this stuff. Right. Cup goes in the dishwasher. I mean, so the, the workflow to make it and, the, you know, just enjoying it and the cleanup after, way easier. And coffee's way better. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the big, even if it was the same level of time and effort, you're getting better coffee, so why wouldn't you? Well, and you made that point about, you know, and I know I'm kind of staying on the drip coffee and, and that part of it, but I think, I think it's interesting that you even brought up a good point. Just upgrading your coffee and going from pre-ground in a grocery store to a, local roaster and getting beans and grinding and still putting it in that, that drip coffee maker is going to up your coffee game big time. I think that's the minimum thing that you have to do. If you want to enjoy good coffee is you have to
1: buy good coffee. And I think that it seems kind of basic and simple, but it's true. Um, If you're, if you're still buying pre-ground you know, one of the major national brands, it doesn't really matter what implement you use or how good your technique is. You're just not starting with the best product. Um, meanwhile, you can take you know beans roasted by one of the good local roasters, grind it fresh, throw it in your Mr. Coffee, and immediately significantly better coffee than what you're used to. So even starting there, you don't have to buy a bunch of new equipment and learn a bunch of new techniques. I think the point being just upgrading the actual coffee that you're using is a pretty easy first step. It's a little more expensive but it's still cheaper than going to a coffee shop every morning um, and still getting the same kind of quality coffee.
0: Yeah. The only thing I would say in that process that maybe we're not touching on, we probably should again, and you mentioned it in the first episode, how important this is, is that grinder.
1: Because and grinding
0: it's, fresh. Grinding fresh. So if you're going to go to, from, from that scoop, and I know you hate that, that measurement, the scoop to actually, uh, you know, grinding your coffee, and measuring your coffee to that, you know, that nice ratio, it's going to be uh, the grinder is going to be very, very important. Yeah, and and we were talking before
1: we started about some different grinders that we're using, and one of the misconceptions is that coffee is just expensive. It's expensive to get into, uh, but the one that we were using before, you know, we made coffee a minute ago. You told me was what fifty, sixty dollars, I think. That smaller hand grinder, eighty dollars, eighty bucks. Yep, um, and then. A larger one, I paid one thirty. And my favorite brewer is the Aeropress. I think they're twenty twenty five bucks. So hundred dollars, you could have a really really good setup that makes yep. significantly better coffee than using national brand in your Mister Coffee. So you know, it doesn't have to be expensive. You don't have to go out and buy a five hundred dollar grinder. No, um, you can get ones that it's manual, which you know some people may not want to do it manually, but. Not buying the motor means you're getting a lot better. Everything, All the other components are a lot better when before I would, the motor.
0: I, I mentioned it to you before we started recording that I've actually, you know, I've got a, a few grinders now that it's overkill. I don't all right. need all these now. But I've come to realize that I I, t- I mentioned it to you, I actually enjoy the hand grinder, the yeah. manual grinding now. And for a couple of reasons. One, it's part of the, the morning process of just kind of. Waking up. Yep. Yeah, therapeutic. I'm just enjoying myself. The fresh coffee. Um, but also, uh, I'm able, believe it or not, I get a a better grind where I want my grind for pour over coffee. And so, and I get zero retention. I mean, I get a, a, no coffee left behind when I put in 20 grams, I get out 20 grams, which I think is great. Um, so I've just become a huge fan of the manual and that would be my recommendation. If you're just a coffee drinker, you're not getting into espresso. You just want to drink good coffee. Uh, that's, to your point, it's a great way to start, man. Yeah. Just buy a, a good manual grinder.
1: So uh, maybe mention the one that you've got. Are there the two hand grinders that you've got in case somebody's interested in picking one up,
0: Yeah, so I have the – both of them are the 1Z Pressos. Uh, one is the Q2, which a maximum capacity of, of 20 grams of coffee. It's got 38-millimeter uh, conical burrs in there. And then I have the JX, which is not the Pro. It's just the JX. It's about 130 bucks on Amazon, but its capacity is thirty five. And I didn't get the Pro because that one was more if you wanted to do espresso. Mm. And if I, I, I'm not going to do espresso with a, a manual grinder. Right. So those two for just pour over I think are fantastic. Yep. Really quality. Uh, and the, uh, the the JX has 48-millimeter conical burrs in it, which are good-sized burrs in a, yeah. in a uh, manual grinder.
1: And it's really uh, – I used that one a minute ago. It's really fast, yeah. really smooth, Um it's definitely faster than the one that I use, which is the Timemore C2, which is great for the money. I think we looked, it's about $60 right now yeah, on Amazon. Yeah, 54 bucks. Like that. Great, great grinder for the money. It's definitely slower, though. I can tell um, that one's probably close to twice as fast as mine. Is it really? Um, depending on you know the coffee beans and, you know, yeah. and how fine the coffee is. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I really like that one. It's got the nice uh, kind of rubber grip on it that makes it easier to, to hold, a little bit longer handle, more leverage. I would definitely say that's a great one, but if, if you want to save some
0: money, the one that I've got that that Timemore C two is a great grinder. Fifty four bucks, yeah. yeah, whatever it is. That and, and you mentioned you know, and I think the Aeropress. We'll get into that. I think it's a great brewer for for a couple of different reasons, but uh, you know, thirty bucks, thirty five bucks, but even the 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 V sixty the plastic one, which I actually like, ten bucks. Yeah, it's a ten buck brewer. Yeah, I think the.
1: Um, I guess we can get into brewers a little bit. The only thing I'll say about a V60, I think there is a little bit more of a learning curve than with an AeroPress. I think AeroPress is a little more forgiving. Um, but that being said, a V60 is not hard to learn to use, there's tons of YouTube videos. Um, it's not a complicated and and there's a lot of different methods too. There's not one right way to do it. And that's one of the things I jotted down kind of a misconception is that there's always a right way or a best way to make coffee. There's tons of different methods. You even mentioned before we started, even with the V60 you've experimented with two, three different methods and for different coffees, sometimes one's better than the other. So
0: same grind, but and when you say method, it's the pouring method, right? How long you're letting that balloon go when you're doing the next pour volume, all that kind of stuff. And, for, for people, I would say, like us who really, you know, kind of like to get into it, that's part of the fun. It is. If you're into coffee, that's part of the enjoyment. Yep, for sure. Um, that being said, the Aeropress is still what I use the most.
1: Um, it's extremely consistent. It's, it's very easy.
0: Um, and I just like the coffee that it makes. Zero bypass. Uh, bypass meaning when you think about a paper filter going into a brewer. Water will go on the outside of that, not through the coffee, so you lose some extraction there. But with uh, uh, an immersion brewer or like an AeroPress, there is no filter, paper filter, where it's brewing. It's only when you press through. So, I mean, there is no not going through the coffee. It's going through the coffee. Yeah, and,
1: and maybe just to draw a mental picture for anyone who's not familiar with uh the different brewers we're talking about a V60 is essentially like your coffee pot that you grew up with cone shaped. It's a cone shaped filter. You put coffee in it, you pour water over it, it drips through the bottom. So that's percolation. Uh, the Aeropress, as you mentioned, is an immersion method. Uh, so there's a chamber that has a little plunger. You put coffee and water in there, you steep it like you would tea, and then you push the plunger down and it forces it through fine paper filter. So there's no grit. Uh, you know the one that I brewed. With an AeroPress earlier, there's zero grit in the bottom of this cup. Yep. Um, so two different methods. One's immersion, one's percolation. Uh, so just, you know, for anybody that's kind of trying to figure out what we're talking about here. And the Clever
0: is um, kind of a hybrid of both it's, those. It's also both, yeah. yeah. It's
1: immersion, and then when you put it down on there, it percolates through. So that's, yep. why I'm, that's one of the reasons I like the AeroPress is it's both immersion and percolation, and so is the Clever.
0: Yeah. So I'm, is, I'm very curious about that. Yeah. Pretty fun. What what else do you have for a misconception that you thought was interesting?
1: Um, I think you know, I, I've, I've hit a lot of them so far, and I talked about you know there being a right way to drink coffee. I think there or to make coffee. I think it's also true about the right way to drink coffee. Uh, there's certainly ways that um, more seasoned coffee drinkers may you know uh, look down on, throw some shade. If you've got three parts milk to one part coffee, and then a bunch of sugar in it. That point, it's it's like making sangria with a fine napa cab. Um, that being said, if you like it and you enjoy it, that's really all that matters. So there's not. I think people get intimidated that um, coffee drinkers are are a little bit uppity and judgy about the way you drink coffee. I think if if I see somebody drinking good quality coffee, I don't care if they're drinking it black with milk with sugar whatever. It's it's still better than doing the same thing with some crappy
0: coffee the only thing i would talk about with that and you tell me if you think i'm wrong tyler is that i think people who drink coffee that way for the most part uh, are buying their coffee pre-ground at a grocery store where it's probably overcooked not good quality and it's very bitter on its own so the milk and everything is just maybe not the sugar but the milk is balancing out all that bitterness in there, and that's why they drink it that way. I think people, if they would give it a shot, uh, because I've done it with, uh, I think you know who Dave Scott is. You probably, mm-hmm. uh, him and his wife came over. He uh, He's not a coffee drinker. She is. She just says, I can't drink it without milk. And I made her a couple, and she was like, oh, wait, hold on. That's different. That's not what I, I usually get real bitter, and I don't get this sweetness and this fruit that I'm getting here, and it's very pleasant. And I'm like, yeah, because you're drinking not good coffee right so i think understanding that how important coffee is the beans i think it kind of wings those people when they when they learn to do that it, we, you know and they figure out that coffee's not all bitter cuz i think that's a misconception that people think coffee's just naturally bitter so you have to offset that with something
1: No, I, that's completely right and i think the bitterness that most people are used to is in that you know pre-ground national brand i'm not going to mention them but kind of the big national brands that everybody grew up on Uh, and one of the reasons for it is there's probably two one being the actual type of coffee that's being used is a different plant completely that is more bitter it has a lot more uh, body very low acidity that's what people are used to milk uh, mixing with milk and sugar yeah Uh, and then the second is just roasting Uh, if you think about it from an industrial roasting standpoint if you get let's say, for example, three different coffees in that are three different grades. The lighter you roast them, the more it's going to show any flaws in it. The more you roast it, it's going to cover that up because now you're changing it from uh, maybe this is a little bit grassy. You'll roast that out to get to a really dark point where you're not really tasting that. So from an industrial standpoint, it's so much more consistent to just roast it really, really dark. And that's why people got used to that, um, And and it's kind of hard to – a lot of people just associate that with coffee, that really yeah. kind of bitter, super roasty. I think you and I don't really love that super dark roast. I personally don't really love anything past medium.
0: Uh, yeah, I am would be right there with you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, what was interesting to me, uh, and I mentioned this to you, I, I had no idea how popular coffee, you know, we all live in our world, you know, our whatever country we're in, and, you know, We know that there's certain alcoholic beverages or wines that or whatever that we like, and other countries might like other things. But coffee's kind of, man, it is worldwide uh, a very, very popular drink. I had no idea that 2.25 billion cups a day are had by people around the world. I didn't know it was the second most popular drink overall, you said, to water. Yep. And then, obviously, as far as a hot drink, it's the most popular drink. And, and, and the most popular prepared beverage. So it's, it's
1: truly universal. You can't really go anywhere in the world and not find coffee. Uh, it's interesting to see the different styles that people use to prepare it around the world. There's certainly some countries that are um, what I would call more along the kind of craft third wave movement um, Western Europe, the U.S., Australia, New Zealand. But even if you go to places like Turkey, if you've never had Turkish coffee, um, it's fantastic. It's a very, very different method of making coffee. Um, you know, coffee originated or prepared coffee originated in the Middle East. So the methods that they use there, I find very interesting. It's the same way people have made coffee for thousands and thousands
0: of years. So are those methods similar to when we think about a mocha pot? Are they, how different are they? Um, or can be vastly different. So, are you familiar with Turkish coffee? I, I've seen Turkish coffee, but I, I've not really seen the method in which they make it. So,
1: when I mentioned that um, this, you know, something like a coffee pot is, is the second most basic way to make coffee, yeah. the most basic would be Turkish style. Some people call it cowboy coffee. You can okay. see people make it that way. It's basically just a really small pot that goes on the stove. Uh, the coffee that you add is basically powdered. Okay. very, very fine. Uh, you boil water. Uh, you, you mix it in, and you start to boil it. Right when it bo- starts boiling, you pull it off, uh, and there's different techniques for it. I'm by no means an expert, but you're essentially boiling the coffee in the water, uh, and then you add just a little bit of cold water, and it will settle all the grounds to the bottom, and you drink it just like that. It's not filtered or anything. Oh. Uh, it's extremely strong, and it is really, really good. Um, and you can take it different ways. Some people with sugar, some people without. Never with milk, um, and it is a completely different experience. Uh, and and I really enjoy it, but it's not one that I do very often. Um, but that's that's the most basic way. And then you, some people will make cowboy coffee, which is literally just a a pot on top of a fire with coffee and water in it, and you just pour it right off. You just let it boil and
0: then mm-hmm. pour it off. Yep. Give it a stir, maybe let it settle, and that's then you drink. I've seen that done. A- maybe in a show or a movie or something and, and never thought much about it, but now that you're, you're Well, if you think about, about it, the method that we use on the first episode to do a cupping, that's what that is. Yeah.
1: You're just pouring hot water onto coffee, letting it settle to the bottom, and then drinking the coffee off the top.
0: Makes perfect sense. You know, another myth that I actually thought was true, and come to find out it's not, and this isn't, you know, based on volume, it's what would be a typical pour for these two beverages, espresso and just a cup of coffee. You know, a typical espresso shot's an ounce, and coffee, you say, it in a, in an 8-ounce cup. Um, I always thought espresso had way more caffeine in it, and come to find out it doesn't, that an espresso shot, 1 ounce, 30 to 50 grams, where an 8-ounce cup of coffee, uh, 65 to 125 milligrams of, uh, of caffeine. And uh, I thought that was interesting because I learned that it's the extraction time that the coffee moves so much quicker through the same amount, what might be the same amount of coffee grounds through an espresso than it does sitting on and kind of extracting those flavors, even though it might be a coarser ground in, in a coffee. Right.
1: Yeah. I think it comes down to the, the volume that you're drinking. Cause you're not going to sit down and have a 12 or 16 ounce cup of espresso. At least no sane person would. No. Uh, so I mean, per ounce espresso has more, but in a serving, it's, it's about the same, like I right. said.
0: And I always thought if you got one, just an ounce shot, and I think a lot of people still think that. That it's significantly more. Lo- oh, yeah. loaded with caffeine. I mean, that's just going to blow you up. And I, it's I just a, a quicker hit. Just a quicker because hit. Because it's very
1: concentrated. Yeah,
0: and, and I, I didn't know that. Um, I also thought that uh, I'd heard for a long time that coffee could dehydrate you, and it's really not true either. And there's just all these things that I thought about coffee getting into it that I've come to learn – Aren't necessarily true, and there's some that are, are. We'll be back after a quick break.
1: Hey, Bar and Grill fans, it's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk, where me and my co hosts sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar and Grill in Elyrea, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. Anywhere where you stream podcasts, just remember Madhouse Bar Talks, baby. Yeah, true, and and I think a couple of the ones you got there are tied in with health. So there's some kind of misconceptions or myth that coffee is not good for you. know, there's certainly some people that that medically should not consume caffeine or large amounts of it, but otherwise, coffee is actually quite good for you. Yeah. Um, plenty of studies of about it. Lots of antioxidants. Um, and I think you've got one on there that talks about, there's some studies that even just the aromas of coffee uh, have a significant effect on mood. and I, Stress. I, yeah. relieve stress. Anecdotally, I think that's true. I, and it may be tied more to, um, you know, we associate smells and memories so strongly that I think just smelling coffee, a lot of people have good memories about, you know, maybe their parents or their friends growing up. Um, having coffee in the mornings and ju- just that smell, it just makes you happy.
0: Here's, you know, I used to buy coffee Tyler in bulk, mm-hmm. you know, when I was a, a scoop guy. Yep. Uh, and I think would just buy a big can or a big bag of coffee. Uh, something that was interesting to me was coffee grounds. I knew they went bad quicker than, than beans. Uh, but at the rate I didn't understand, I didn't know, which is a hundred times faster. Which
1: And that's exactly why we mentioned earlier, you know, the key to all this is buying good beans and grinding them fresh. And people say, it doesn't really matter. I'm going to buy a bag of coffee and use it in a week or two, so I don't need to pre-grind it. It literally is just a matter of hours that that ground coffee becomes stale, and it's not going to hurt you. It's not going rancid or anything. It's just not going to be good. So it's completely worth the investment, even for a $50 grinder, to just grind it fresh. Like you said, it's a hundred times faster that it's gonna release all the gases, release all the flavors, and um, you know, within a matter of hours, that pre-ground coffee is is not
0: what it once was. Yeah, and again, this is for people who are thinking about jumping into coffee where you're gonna start to kind of, you know, enjoy it a little bit more for what it is, and not adding all that milk because if you're adding milk, okay, you're covering that up, whatever that deficiency might be. these are recommendations for, uh, from us to you on, on uh, you know, enjoying coffee. And I mean, I would even say if you're on the fence about
1: whether it's worth it to, to invest in more coffee stuff, go on Amazon, find the cheapest grinder. You, if you're not sure, go find the cheapest grinder you can. Go to a nice local roaster. Purify is the one that I always talk about because it's my favorite, but there's plenty of others and there's plenty online. Get fresh beans, grind it fresh, and either use your coffee pot or get a $30 AeroPress. If you try that and and it just doesn't make sense to you, you've you've spent maybe $60, $70, but I would defy almost anyone to to do that and say ah, that coffee's not better and it's not worth it. Yeah. I think everyone if they did that, even with the cheapest grinder and the cheapest brewing method that I'm aware of, the AeroPress, would realize it is a significant difference over the pre-ground stuff that they've been using.
0: And to your point, the, the AeroPress is designed, we're talking about it as an immersion brewer, and it is. If you guys don't know what it is when you look it up, it's designed to be a travel brewer. Mm-hmm. That's what it's made for. So when we talk about, you might be like, well, I don't have time to make a good cup of coffee in the morning. You know, just my, my routine doesn't allow me to get up and make a cup of coffee. I always get it at the office. I mean, you can speak to that, Tyler. You You are big on taking the AeroPress to the office in the morning and, yeah. Cup there. yeah, I do.
1: Um, start to finish maybe five minutes. Maybe. Um, the, the part that usually takes the longest is just boiling water, which yeah. you can set a kettle on and go do something else and come back and, and have it ready. So, And I want to paint this picture. Cleanup is easy. Uh, the, there's nothing easier than cleaning up from an AeroPress. You unscrew the cap, plunge it into the trash, trash wipe it off, and you're done. Yeah. So Ten you know, seconds.
0: You just have a sink in your office. You're good to go. Uh, hot water might be the only issue. Yeah. And a lot of places, a lot of offices have that hot water dispenser. Yep. Just like they do a cold water dispenser. But, but uh, you know, that's, that's a pretty easy solution. If you have a stove or something, you know, can just leave a kettle at work or whatever. And the nice
1: thing about AeroPress is there's always a variable you can change to make it work. For example, let's say the grinder that you have won't go fine enough. All right. Well, you can use the hottest water and brew longer. Let's say you can't get water that's boiling. It's only maybe 180, 190 degrees. Grind a little bit uh, finer Brew a little bit longer. You can always adapt to whatever. And that's why it's great for traveling. You never yeah. really know. Go to an Airbnb or a hotel. You don't know what you're going to get. You can usually still make good coffee. You'll have to kind of think through, what do I need to do here? But if you, if you got water coming out at only 180, grind a little bit finer, brew a little bit longer, you can still make great coffee.
0: Yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about beans because we, we talk about buying local beans and how important that is to get quality coffee. But just having the bean, and we're saying go home, grind it, uh, there's a little science involved, meaning you you can get a recommendation on what setting you should grind that coffee at, and you can play with that. Mm -hmm. You know, you might think it's a little bitter, a little sour, but you can adjust the grind. That's what I love about coffee. You know, you, you taught me the term dialing it in. You know, figuring out where you like to grind that coffee to get what you want in the cup. And everybody's profile might be a little different. Sure. You know,
1: when well, that goes back to the point that there's no right way to make coffee, I probably, I mean, I know I prefer my coffee more on the acidic side than my wife. I may like it even more acidic than you do. Yeah. That's just the way I like coffee. Some people would say, no, I want to be more towards that kind of bitter, astringent end. And so there's no right way to do it. It's finding what you like, um, for me, I end up using almost the same coffee all the time. I'll mix it up, but uh, one of these purifies is my go-to that I always use. My grinder stays on the same setting. If I need to tweak it for whatever reason, I can. But usually, I've got it dialed in where I like it. That being said, if I'm making coffee for other people, I'll I'll change it because they may like it a different way. So yeah. there's no absolute right way to do any of these methods that we're talking about.
0: You know, one, one of the other... Uh kind of misconceptions or called a myth or however you want to describe it. Um, what the darker roast means does to flavor and also does darker roast have less or more caffeine? There's some questions on this.
1: Yeah. It's funny when you hear people take a sip of coffee that's really dark and they go, Ooh, that'll wake you up. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not any stronger from a caffeine standpoint than any other coffee. Uh, it's just that a lot punchier flavor Um, and it's not one that I necessarily enjoy. Kind of like I mentioned with industrial roasters, it's just an easy way to be consistent because you're, you're essentially cooking it past the point of recognition. Um, and if that's what you like, if you like that really roasty, dark coffee, that's fine. I think my wife sums it up the best. She says dark roast coffee tastes like somebody put a cigarette out in it. (laughs) I I don't care for that, but some people that's just what they grew up with and that's what, that's what they like.
0: Well, and I, I think – But I would, to
1: your point, it's not – there's not more caffeine. Yep. It's not – the flavor that you're getting is not because this came from one country or another. It's really the, the roasting method. Because
0: yeah, I think people think there's more flavor in a darker roast, and there's not. I think, to be accurate, there's probably less of the coffee bean, coffee seed flavor being shown, and it, now you're drinking more of the roasted flavor if you think about we talk about wine a lot and the impact or whiskey the impact of the barrel on mm-hmm. that liquid and that's what you're getting the flavor from it's kind of if you, if you think about that with coffee the roast is kind of what you're getting now versus what's actually in that coffee bean that's right yeah i think that's right so let me ask you this i, I think beans are, are important we didn't really you know last episode we did on coffee we didn't dive into beans a whole lot But I've done this for a year, man. I I have absolutely went down the rabbit hole, and I love coffee now and playing with it and doing all this different stuff. Uh, Beans are very, very important. And understanding... They're the most important. Yeah, yeah, you know. And and I know people might go back or had heard that that previous episode we said the grinder is the most important. It it is, you know... It's
1: because we don't really mention how important quality coffee is because it's a given to me. Okay. Uh, For example we can sit here and talk for an hour about the best ways to make steak. If you go get a $2 piece of steak from the supermarket, it doesn't matter what technique you're using at that point. Yeah. It you're very limited by the product. So it all starts with, you have to have good quality coffee. Absolutely. So it's why we didn't mention it because it it almost goes without saying, but we should say it that you've got to, if you want to be
0: happy and successful in craft coffee, you have to have good craft coffee. And, and you're going to find, you know, we we talked about uh, arabica mm-hmm. and robusta, and uh, typically you, you agree with. Well, I think you explained to me that I, I mentioned to you. I don't see on the bag what kind of bean I'm getting, and you said if it's a if it's a a good roaster that you're getting locally, it's 99.9 percent of the time arabica beans.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. Um, similar to. Um, you grab any bottle of wine that you have here, it's not gonna tell you what variety of or sorry, it's not gonna tell you what genus and species of grape. It's all Venice vinifera. Yeah. Although there is, you know, there's other grapes that are used to make wine. It's just kind of understood using the best quality. And then it's the variety of that species that you're using that, that kind of makes it different. But um yeah, the Robusta it it has its place. And that anybody that has had uh very full-bodied coffee, usually uh, a little bit more bitter, very low acid. Uh, We tasted through it in that first episode. So if if you go back and listen to the first episode that we did, you kind of realize that was the last one that we did, and you immediately said, oh, that's different. And you you can immediately recognize it. To me, it almost has like a burning rubber smell and taste to it. Some people really like that. It takes milk and sugar really well. And it does have a lot more caffeine. It has upwards of two times more caffeine than Arabica coffee. So some people like that too because it's just a more efficient caffeine delivery device. Okay, It's not what I enjoy from – I don't – I yes, I drink coffee in the morning to kind of get my day going. That's not the reason that I drink. I drink it because I enjoy it. We're sitting here this afternoon drinking coffee because I just enjoy coffee. So I'm going to drink it. I'll drink two cups instead of one to get a good tasting coffee instead of one that has twice the caffeine.
0: Sure, I'm with you there. Right, what's the point? And I like you know getting down the rabbit hole coffee. It's it's fun for me to drink a smaller cup of two or diff, two or three different coffees in the morning than one big cup of the right. same thing. It's right. kind of fun to play with it. But about beans, you know, we're telling people go to a local roaster, mm-hmm. buy quality coffee beans. When they go in, typically you'll you'll look at a a shelf at a roaster, and or or a you know just a craft coffee house somewhere. You know, a local coffee house usually sells. Some beans, maybe they're working with a roaster. Um, But there's a variety of beans you can buy. And so now they usually give you, well, you tell me, what are some things that they're going to look at on a bag of coffee, should be looking for, and some things that they may see and not know what it means, talking kind of like washed or natural or things like that? That's a great question.
1: I'm going to grab a bag. Yeah, absolutely, grab a bag. So I went and grabbed a, uh, this is actually the coffee that we're drinking right now. Uh, from Purify, uh, it's from Columbia. And so on the label, some of the things that you'll see, first of all, is a roast date. That's one of the most important things because um, you want fresh coffee. Uh, if you if the roast date is from six months ago, you're paying for coffee that's past its prime. And that's what you'll see a lot in the supermarket. You will see craft coffee sold, but you need to check the roast date. because a lot of times it'll be months old. Well, I'm going to tell you
0: a lot of times I went and looked. You don't find a roast date.
1: Sometimes not you won't see one at all. That's yeah. true.
0: And I was like, okay, you know, this is kind of... The other thing I would say is when we're talking about roast and coffee beans in a grocery store, what's your thoughts on the bean dispenser? Oh, just real quick. Never. Okay. Never. Just want to make sure we got that out there. No, Because no. somebody, I don't want them to listen to this and go, well, there's beans in my grocery store. You know, I can just get me a bag right there. I don't know up. how well those things seal out. Here. Maybe they do
1: better than I think. In my head, I just can't get over it. That's almost akin to going to a grocery store and fish just being laid out in the produce section, not being refrigerated. <laughs> I just, I don't, I, I'm not interested yeah. in that. Um, maybe they do better than I think, but so you'll uh, notice that most of the time, the coffee that's in those are flavored coffees. That is true. And so hazelnut or whatever it is. doesn't matter as much because you've introduced all these other flavors. Okay. And if you like flavored coffee that I, I have, I will drink flavored coffee sometimes, and sometimes they're really nice. There's one um, that I've had that's like um, uh, a roasted pecan uh, that's got pecans mixed in with it. I enjoy that. Okay. Um, so if you want to drink flavored coffee, that's fine. But I don't think it's a coincidence that those little dispenser things are usually <laughs> flavored coffee. Yeah.
0: So roast date. Roast date. Give, give some, when you see the date, because there's some thought to, you shouldn't brew that coffee until, because say you go in and... You know, today's uh, July 8th, and it was brewed, it was roasted yesterday. Do you necessarily want to go home and and, and make a pot with that now? And then kind of the longevity of how long that should be good, sealed right either in the bag or in a container.
1: For espresso, you definitely don't want to brew it the next day. I think you probably want to wait at least five to seven days for most other applications, I don't know that it makes a huge difference. It pro- I've usually heard that it's about three days or so after it's roasted, that it's kind of getting to the start of its peak, and then it goes down from, well, it'll hold good for a while, and then it'll start declining. Um, I mean, I've brewed coffee the next day, and I can't say, I haven't brewed it and gone, oh, I shouldn't have brewed it yet. It wasn't ready. Okay. So I don't know that it's markedly different. Okay. I, if I,
0: so I've heard them say, you know, wait a week. And I don't know that's, if that's... And that's the a kind of
1: five, you know, three to five day yeah. window that I think is good. And certainly for espresso, you want to wait and let it off gas
0: some. And then a bag of coffee, you know, typically 12 ounce is what we're talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, two months? Good. If it's stored, honestly, I have some bags that I'll forget about
1: that'll be three or four months old. And if they're stored well... Still good. They're still good, but I can tell they've dropped off. Okay. And so I know I'm kind of contradicting myself earlier and said, if you go to the supermarket and it's three or four months old, you don't want to buy it. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about there's you know, maybe a quarter or less of a bag left, that I, one that I forgot about. And I'll drink it and it's still fine, but I can tell that it's not what it used to be. I think f- for maximum uh, you know, freshness and enjoyment, probably four to six weeks. Okay. That's why I usually try to consume something within about the first month, month and a half. And
0: if you, if you buy a bag or, or two at a time and you drink coffee every day, uh, this makes about eleven cups
1: in my air press. It's okay. three hundred and forty grams, and I usually use about thirty grams, so it's eleven cups of coffee. You're talking about maybe two weeks, yeah, at and most. It, and
0: that's if you're not sharing. So with it's not hard else. to go through it. Yeah, yeah,
1: not so. These bags are, and that's why I think twelve ounces is a great size, uh, especially if you want to have multiple different ones to play around with. So even if I only use this once a week, you're still talking about within the kind of eight week window, ish that you'd be consuming it. So it's still fine. Okay. Um, so the next thing that you'll see on most labels and in, in this label, this, you know, this is the order that it's got it on here. It's the same kind of information you'll see on most things. I'm going to skip the next thing actually, and go to roast level. Um, you would hope that there will be a roast level on a label. There won't always be, but to me, that's kind of almost the second most important thing after roast date is roast level. Um, this one is light medium. Now, there is no standard for what these mean. There's no standard medium. There's no standard light. So what you'll realize is some roasters, their medium is a lot darker than what you would typically like. So if you buy from them again, you may want to look for one that they call light or light medium. Uh, Purify to me um, is usually on the lighter end of the scale. So their medium compared to some, uh, it would be like a light medium for some others, which I, I prefer a lighter roast coffee. So I, I'm, Perfectly good with yeah. that. Um, so roast level on here. This one says light medium. Uh, the next one is the process, and that's actually talking about how it gets from a whole cherry to a green bean that's ready to be roasted. There's a lot of different methods, and I think we may have talked about that in the first episode. This one is fully natural, which means what they'll do is they'll take these coffee cherries, and if if you've never seen what a coffee plant looks like, it's a big bush, and there's a little. It looks like a cherry, red cherry. They will take those and just spread them out on these big trays. And different countries have different methods, but essentially just these big trays or terraces, and it will just let them naturally start breaking down, drying on their own. And they'll spread them out and and rake them every few days to keep them turned over. And essentially, they just naturally dry themselves out. Once that's done, they run it through a machine that will depulp it, push the little bean out, and then they can clean it, and that's ready to go.
0: And I just want to be, when, when you guys hear say bean, it's just in the industry. It's called the bean because of the shape. Yep. It's it's a seed. It's a seed. But uh, it, it, and you're right. When you see these, if you've never seen a whole coffee bean, because it looks just like a bean, what you would think a bean looks like. Yep. Uh, but it is actually a just seed. a seed of the yeah. pit of a cherry. Yeah. Um.
1: So that's the fully natural process. There's there's a lot of different methods, but essentially you've got natural where you just kind of let it do its own thing. You're going to get more fruit flavors from that, but you also can get some more kind of wild fermenty flavors, which some people like, some people don't. It's sometimes divisive. I love it. Natural coffees are my favorite because they're usually the most fruit forward, most expressive. Um, The other side of that, it would be fully washed, which means they take the cherry, they immediately depulp it, they wash it with water, and then it's just a green bean at that point. So it has not had time to ferment and dry on its own. So you get a lot, it's, it's much cleaner. Um, yeah. you, you don't get wild flavors. You also don't get quite as much fruit flavor from it. Uh, but there are some great fully washed coffees. And then there's all these hybrid methods like the honey method, partially washed. And it's basically just varying degrees of letting it dry and ferment on its own. But those are the two I think that you need to know. Um, and then this one says grind, they will pre grind for you. These are obviously whole beans. And then the last thing, and It's both important and not important are the tasting notes. That's what one person or one panel of of people said. That was kind of the impressions they got. You should never look at the tasting notes and say, I should expect to taste this. What it will tell you is the general profile that you should expect. So this one says strawberry, blueberry, juicy red grape. There's another bag sitting behind me that says things like chocolates, almonds. So that tells you it's a very different profile of coffee. Even if you taste it and you go, well, I don't really get chocolates and almonds I get kind of like pecans and a roasty fruit that kind of thing that's fine you don't have to get you know strawberry blueberry and juicy red grape but it's telling you this is going to be more acidic more fruit forward so if that's the kind of coffee you like that's where the tasting notes can come in handy yeah. but not if you're like yeah I really want to try a coffee that tastes like strawberry I don't get strawberry from this one personally yep. I get like raspberries and blueberries um but it tells you this is it's the going fruit Profile to expect, yeah. So
0: it, it's a guide. It, it's it is more of a guide to 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 your point, right?
1: Now, some other things that you'll see on labels, and this is where it gets really nerdy, is the actual variety of coffee. Um, there's a lot of different ones. Um, there's uh, Bourbon or Bourbon. It's from the island of Bourbon in the South Atlantic. Um, there's Cachuy um, from Brazil. There's all these different. You can think about those um, to make the the uh, kind of analogy with wine, you know, Zinfandel versus um, Cabernet Sauvignon versus Merlot. They're all wine grapes, but they're just different varieties. So you'll see different varieties on bags sometimes. Most people, I think, um, unless you're just a hardcore coffee drinker or professional, it's hard to tell varieties apart to me at least. Um, But That can be a fun thing if you want to try some different ones. A really kind of popular one now that became famous within the last few years uh, is called Gesher Geisha from um, Central America, and it became popular just because they found this variety that they didn't know existed, and a lot sold for some ungodly amount of money, and so it became kind of like a cult following. Yeah, and I can tell you, I've had several um, different coffees from from Geisha. It's not inherently better. It's just different. Uh, so I wouldn't go out and chase down a $40 bag of geisha just because you think it's going to be better. But anyway, you'll see the, uh, the variety on there sometimes. And then you'll see things like um, the elevation where it was grown, which actually is really important. But thinking about
0: like mountain fruit and wine.
1: Yes. And what it means, the higher a, a, um, a coffee plant is, the more concentrated that, that bean will be. Uh, so it's going to be hard, literally harder. Um, usually it's going to have more concentrated flavors. Um, but that's not to say that, that Valley fruit isn't also great and that mountain coffee is always better, but that's something that, uh, you can look at and it will give you some indication of the quality. Generally higher grown coffees are going to be more expensive, higher quality. That's not 100% true, but that's something else you may see on a label. Um, other than that, I, there may be some other labels that have other information, but that's kind of the main things I can think of. And, and
0: I, I just want to mention when you see kind of where it's from, I think for them go ahead. Well,
1: you, you just nailed the one that I didn't mention, the country of origin. That's yes. definitely important as well. Uh, that's going to give you some indication of what to expect. Uh, but this Columbia is a good example of where that's not always true. I usually associate Colombian coffee with being a little bit darker, a little bit um, more kind of chocolate-forward, the kind of yep. dark notes. This is one of the brightest, most fruit-forward coffees I've ever had. Yep. This tastes more like a Kenyan coffee to me. Um, Kenyan coffees, especially like the AA, that's a grade. Kenyan AA is usually very, very red fruit-forward. Um There's some other countries and regions that are kind of famous, like Irgachev in Ethiopia. Um, There's usually very tea-like, very light. Um, That's another one that's kind of developed a cult following. So, yeah, if you see the country or the region, that will also give you some indication of what to expect. Um, And it's also kind of fun that you can try coffees from places that... Around the globe. Around the globe that you didn't even know grew coffee. Like, I think... You or, or somebody else posted one from the Congo the other day. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I still have some of that. It's one of my favorites. That's pretty to cool. see if they have some more. That's pretty cool. Because that's a f- fantastic coffee. I do want to mention that when, when you see the country of origin, know that when you go to, because you might be asking yourself, okay, is there anywhere that makes bad coffee? And and the answer is yes. You and I talked about that on the first episode. Um, Vietnam might be one that comes to mind. Um, Mainly
1: just because they... Almost exclusively grow robusta now because it's easy to grow. It is drought and disease tolerant. Um, it has high huge yields. Yeah, um, and so for a country that's developing and trying to make money off of it, it's yeah definitely the 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 right decision. Um, I would also be wary of buying anything from the states, honestly, just because
0: do they make anything in the states?
1: Uh, so Hawaiian coffee is kind of the. Um, exception to this. But if you see coffee grown... Yeah. So if you see coffee grown in the the continental U.S., I would be wary of it personally just because coffee is such a labor-intensive product and labor is so expensive here that for the same amount of money, I think the quality of the coffee is going to be a lot less. Just because it... This bag of, of coffee from Columbia, if it had been grown in, say, California
0: or Florida, would probably be $50 just because of the labor difference. Somebody's hearing you say that and going, wait, 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 how, how much is that coffee now? And before you, you answer that, because I think, you know, you may be a little bit shocked if you go to the roaster and buy that first bag of coffee with price. But I do want to mention, I was bringing up Country of Origin as well to let you know that when you go to a local roaster, every country that you see – Uh, is going to be a quality region for Mm -hmm. coffee. You're not going to find anything from Vietnam or from some other places for the most part. If you see whatever country, if you're intrigued by it, you're intrigued by the the roast on it, the kind of the flavor profile that they're telling you about, you're safe to buy that if you want to try it. It's not going to be necessarily bad coffee. It's going to be good coffee. Uh, Whether it lives up to what you hope to get out of it might be a different story, but it's still quality coffee. Yeah. And the other thing I like to see on a label that you see here
1: is the name of the farm or co-op that it comes from. Um, and to me, the reason why that's important is the traceability of it. And it gives you some indication that uh, hopefully the broker and the roaster are um, doing business in the right way because yeah. there is definitely a dark side to coffee. Um, most of the countries that grow it are, Uh, underdeveloped countries um and there are countries and and there are brokers that will take advantage of farmers and are not paying fair prices for their crops and so hopefully you can find a roaster that is buying from brokers that are you know doing things the right way uh i know purify is um just from talking to chris and and conversations that he's had with brokers he makes sure that he's buying from well he travels too he he tries yeah he he only buys from places where he travels and and goes and makes sure that things are done the right way and those lots are traceable so you know where it came from so i would be wary of something that only had the country and didn't have either the name of a farm or a co-op or something like that to me transparency it gives some element of transparency and traceability uh because it is an unfortunate part of
0: coffee is that there are a lot of people that take advantage of and and cuz we we talked about this on the first episode the, these aren't like big you know industrial farms. conglomerates yeah th- no, these are the most are part families they're,
1: they're families that or villages that band together especially in africa you'll have yeah. these villages that everyone there just grows coffee and they do it communally and uh that's why a lot of times in africa you'll see things coming from a washing station or a co-op um, and less likely from an individual farm. You'll see it from individual farms, but you'll see those washing stations and co-ops a lot more common, uh, more commonly, uh, as opposed to this one from Columbia. It comes from one farm, and it's got yeah. the name of the farm right there.
0: So let, now let's jump into price, because people, you know, there's no doubt a bag of coffee like this from Purify, uh, I think, you know, you're anywhere from, let's just say, you know, a coffee from a good roaster, you're probably going to be anywhere from $12 to $17, depending on single origin where it's from. I think you know, this one's 16, something like that, something yeah. like that,
1: which seems expensive. Uh, but like I mentioned, I can get 11 cups of coffee out of this. So you're talking about less than a dollar 50 a cup.
0: Yeah. And when you think really about
1: quality coffee
0: for really quality coffee, and when we talk about, if you stop, if your routine right now is to stop at a, a coffee shop or to get to the office and you work in a building where they have a Starbucks or something, uh, this will absolutely blow that away, but And save you're, money. You're paying—that's what I was going to say. You're, you're paying—I don't know what you get. Coffee shop three bucks, four bucks for one of those now, probably. Probably three dollars in a minimum for yeah. just a black coffee. There may
1: be some cheaper places, but certainly to get anything quality, it's going to be at least three or four dollars.
0: Yeah. So I, I think you know. So yeah, it does seem expensive. Um, so I don't want people shocked when they go to the the roaster and go, wait, 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 hold on. I've been buying Folgers for six ninety nine and. I can get forty-two scoops out of that. Yep, but you know, you can also
1: go buy three-dollar $3 bottles of wine, but you'd rather have something a little bit nicer.
0: I'm, I'm trying to think. I was getting ready to say something, but I don't think it's the right name. Something tail, yellow tail. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. who doesn't like six ninety nine yellow tail Cabernet it'll, Australia? It'll, it'll get you drunk just like the England <laughs> look up there, but it's not quite as good. No, so this this is absolutely for people who you know kind of want to get into good coffee at home. But if yep. you're into, you know, if you listen to our podcast, we talk about good whiskeys, good wines. Uh, coffee's kind of in that category. You and I agree that there's a lot of similarities uh, between wine and coffee. So if you're into wine at all and you drink coffee, you might enjoy kind of exploring this a little bit more and seeing what you're missing out on On you know having that really good cup of coffee at home. And I'll tell you what, man, when we have family over or on a weekend when we have guests over, to have a really good cup of coffee and pour something with, with people who go, I like coffee but haven't had quality coffee, to see them and their expression and their face when they go, holy shit, okay, I didn't know coffee could be that. Completely agree. Yeah. Um, and that to me is, is, and
1: that's why I was so thrilled to do the first episode with you when you told me you were interested in getting into coffee. And, and at that point, and I still am a novice when it comes to coffee. Um, People are listening but, going, yeah, right. But, but somebody that, that wants to make the transition from the, you know, Maxwell House every morning and the coffee maker to something – good and craft and third we talked about third wave on the first episode So some third wave coffee uh it's exciting to me because yeah. it's it the same thing happened when i kind of got into coffee it's like the the veil is lifted and you realize coffee is not this sludgy bitter mess. Just,
0: just meant to give you a, a boost in the morning That's not, it's not just a drug no it, it's absolutely to to You know, when we talk about wine and we talk about whiskey, when you dissect what's in your glass and really, you know, kind of enjoying that, coffee's the same way. Absolutely. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I do want to get back to, we talked at the beginning of this episode about drip coffee, and you can do that, uh, you know, make a good cup of coffee with your current drip coffee at home, that machine, whatever it might be. Uh, And then we kind of talked into brewing methods that we like, pour over immersion, all that kind of stuff, the AeroPress. I want to touch back on drip coffee. There are machines out there mm-hmm. that have technology and and the settings available to be able to control the bloom of a coffee and the flow rate of that coffee to Kind of play with that. So if if you're not one, you, you still want a machine. You still have you know multiple coffee drinkers in your house and you want to brew a, a bigger you know volume of coffee each morning. There are drip machines. They've come a long way. They have and
1: you know, I have said this and I'll say it again. It's still such a huge step up from, you know, if you're still doing the, the Folgers and the, the Mr. Coffee, just changing to good quality beans, grinding fresh and using the correct amount of coffee. That's another thing. I think a lot of people do wrong in coffee uh, pots is they just do, oh, I'm doing th- three scoops. Cause that's what I've always done. What's a scoop? Exactly. <laughs> and that may be way too weak. It may be way too strong. Um, So using good coffee, grinding it fresh, and using the right amount of coffee to water, even in the cheapest coffee maker, immediately is going to be a big increase in quality. And then you can start stepping up to the different machines like you're talking about that really dial it in even better. But I can't overstress how important it is just to get good coffee, good quality beans, grind them fresh, and use the correct brew ratio. I mean, you're setting
0: yourself up for success right off the bat so let's finish on that when we talk about brew ratio uh there's a general there's a couple theories but the general i think most people would would say one to 15 one to 16 is kind of that ratio that people live in and we're talking about grams of coffee to grams of water Mm -hmm. so we really need to have a scale that's the other thing that maybe we haven't touched on that is very very important and you know being able, when you say the right ratio of coffee grams to the the water you're pouring on it, that's where that scale comes in tremendously, you know, helpful. And that's what drives
1: strength of coffee.
0: Some people say, I like really strong coffee,
1: so I'm going to brew it longer. That in no way changes the strength. Yeah. Changes how much is extracted from that coffee, but it, you can't extract more than is there, right? Yeah. You're limited by how much coffee is in there versus the water. The more coffee you add, obviously the stronger it will be. So, if you know you like it a little bit stronger, I use a little bit more coffee to water in my AeroPress. I'm probably more like 1 to 14, something like that. Um, but it's just knowing a good starting point, and then from there going uh, you know, higher or lower. 1 to 15, 1 to 16, I think, on just about any application is a good starting point, and then you can go from there.
0: Yeah, and, and, and then we get into the grind. Because to your yep. point, it's not going to change after that. That ratio doesn't change what you're going to get in your cup. The grind will probably change what you get in your cup, and that's where you start playing with it and having some fun.
1: Yeah, and, and making coffee, I, this is going to make it seem more complicated than it is, but it's essentially a, a math formula with different variables, and if you change one variable, you need to change another one to, to, to match that. Yeah. So if you're going to brew a little bit shorter, that means it's less time to extract. You need more surface area on the coffee, so you need it to be finer. So changing one thing kind of changes another and you just have to understand how these different things work so if you've got a coffee that um you, you know you're using a v60 so the, the control or the flow rate is is dictated by the grind of the coffee then you've got to get it to the right um the right particle size or it's just going to brew way too fast and you're going to yep. end up with under extracted coffee so you know that makes it sound a lot more complicated than it is but it's actually to me, kind of liberating when you think about it, that there's always a variable you can change to make it right. Yep, absolutely. And You're, right being whatever you like. Whatever you like. Right yeah. for you. So, yep. you know, it's, it's, it, I think it's just about understanding what those variables are
0: and when you change one, kind of what, what the outcome is. And the process in doing that, uh, to me, is what makes making coffee fun. Absolutely. You know, uh, I, I've, I've yet this year to buy quality beans and, make a coffee a pour over an immersion brew and just think it wasn't drinkable yep it might not be exactly i might tweak it a little bit but what i what i made i still absolutely enjoyed drinking and thought it was a better coffee than you know two years ago i ever had
1: yep yep
0: so um you know say it one more time
1: because i think it's worth repeating if anybody's interested in getting good coffee. Or, or making good coffee, you've got to start with good beans. So if you're here in Houston, Purify is one that we both love. But yep. Amaya Roasters is another great one. District uh, Roasters is another good one. Uh, Loose Avenue, there's tons more. So don't think that if I haven't named them, they're not a good roaster. Fort Bend Roaster is another good one down in Sugarland. Land. Um, you know, there's, and, and there's any, tons of great ones.
0: Anywhere you are around the country, around the world, Again, we mentioned it, coffee's huge. It's Mm -hmm. everywhere. So it's not like wherever you're at, there's not a roaster. There probably is. And even if there's not a roaster selling directly, he's selling to some coffee shops. So if you just hit up some coffee shops, some local places that are making good coffees, you're going to find some freshly roasted coffee there. And you'd be surprised. I think people
1: would be surprised. Uh, My parents brought me back from some coffee from Westcliff, Colorado, a tiny little town of like 1,000 people in central Colorado. You wouldn't think there'd be a coffee roaster there. There's one called Paragon Roasters that is fantastic. Really? So I'm not going to say every small town's got one, but you'd be surprised most towns now have a, a decent quality roaster. And if they don't, uh, brands like Purify or Bloom out of Denver or Velton's out of Seattle, there's plenty that ship. They yeah. will have it to you. And, you know, we talked about five to seven days is kind of a good period to wait after you roast it. So if it gets to your house in three or four days, it's still perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So if if your town doesn't have a good quality
0: roaster, uh, there's a lot of them now that'll ship. And, and uh, to that matter, there's coffee clubs. There's coffee you know, clubs. You can give a little profile of what you kind of like, and they're going to send you things, and yep. you can tweak it and play with it. So, I mean, there's just, again, big world of coffee out there you can dive into and, and play around with. But I guess my point would be there's no excuse. If you want a good cup of coffee at home, you can absolutely get a good cup of coffee at home. Completely agree. Yeah, and most of these roasters now, if
1: you buy a minimum amount, they'll they'll ship it for free or discounted shipping. Uh, and that can be a great way to get a good price on coffee too is buy a little bit more. And I think one of the things we talked about that you had jotted down is whether or not to freeze coffee. Um, it's actually something that you can do and should do if you buy a lot of it. Uh, and know you're not going to drink it within three or four months. So you find a great deal on five pounds of coffee and you know it's going to take forever to go through it. Section out, you know, maybe 12 ounces a pound or so that you know you're going to use soon. The rest of it, you can either, Ziplocs are fine, but if you've got a vacuum sealer, that's even better. Vacuum seal it, throw it in the freezer. In portions. In portions, that's what I, I do. 12 to 16 ounce portions. I okay. measure it out in six and usually 12 ounce portions and then just lay them flat, put them in the freezer and freeze them that way. Um, so if you find a a roaster that you want to order from, but you've got to order five bags, you know, that's perfectly fine. Uh, the biggest thing with storing coffee and and, and you asked the question earlier, how long can you store coffee if it's stored properly? Maybe we should define what stored properly is. Yeah. You want something that is not going to introduce oxygen. Uh, it doesn't have to be vacuum sealed, but something that's not going to let air in and air out. And the biggest thing is it just needs to be a room temperature dark place so these bags that it comes in are you know light can't get through that it's perfect just to leave them in that uh you don't want to put it in i see people putting in like a mason jar and you know putting in their windowsill in the kitchen you don't want to do yeah. that you don't want it to be in the light uh but if you keep it somewhere cool and dark um and and sealed properly
0: then so you'll be good you mentioned the bag that we have uh here has the valve on it. Yep. I have seen some roasters that don't have the valve. Okay to store them both? Or do do you recommend that if it doesn't have the valve, put it in anything else? So the
1: valve, all it really does is in the first few days after it roasts, um, there's a lot of CO2 trapped in the bean, and that's that's what the bloom is. It's releasing that CO2. Yeah. So the first few days after it's put in the bag, it's releasing CO2, and it's a one-way valve that just lets that pressure out. If it didn't have that, it would puff up a little bit, and all you'd have to do is just crack the bag, let the air escape. So it's fine. Squeeze it back down. It's Because you can tell this bag, if I squeeze it, you can see the air comes out of it. Yep. Um, so if it didn't have that valve and you saw
0: it puffing up, you could just release it gotcha. out. It's not going to hurt it. Okay. Okay. Well, man, this has been a lot of fun again. <laughs> Always fun. Like, like talking coffee. Always. Uh, you, you, you've got me down the hole, man. Big time. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Food, Wine, and Whiskey in your own backyard. And until our next episode, enjoy your next cup of coffee. Tyler, hope to have you back soon, man. Good fortune.